For hundreds of years, the planet Mars has been the subject of heated controversy among scientists. Falcon Heavy is configured for flight. Tango Delta nominal. Five, four, three, two. Main engine start, zero, and liftoff of the Delta rocket with opportunity. When you look at a planet as one little tiny dot in space, it, it really isn't representative of what's going on on the planet. It's a stretch goal. It is so audacious. We are one world, and that we are more connected than we um, give ourselves credit for a lot of the time. Hello, welcome to We Martians. I'm Jake Robbins. And welcome to 2022. I hope you all had a fantastic holiday break. This week, we're continuing a We Martians tradition by kicking off the year with a casual conversation with my friends Brendan Byrne and Emily Speck, two space reporters from the Florida coast. Today's topic is the Artemis program, NASA's flagship human spaceflight endeavor that got through a pivotal 2021 and has a challenging 2022 ahead of it. Brendan and Emily joined me to discuss the key moments last year and what we're excited to cover in the year coming up. All right, so we're here today with my good friends, Brendan Byrne from uh, WMFE in Orlando and Emily Speck from a new place this year, uh, different letters from last year. Um, easier to spell, I think, this year though. F-O-X, Fox, Fox Weather, I think it's called. That's right. Um, yeah, so I'm very excited to have you back. We do this every year. We catch up, we talk about space, the year ahead, the year that's passed. Um, you're my, uh, my Florida connection. So I like to, to check in with you guys and see how things are going. Um, why don't we start with just a little bit about you, you as well. So it's been a year since we've talked, what have you both been up to? Maybe Emily, we'll start with you since you have the exciting new gig. Yeah. So, um, not that long ago, um, I joined Fox weather. We're a brand new baby news outlet <laughs> dedicated to covering weather, climate and space, which is why they wanted me. Um, and it's been great because I have been covering space from kind of a new perspective. You know, they want space flight stories, launch stories, things like that, but they also are interested in the space and weather combo, which is like my new favorite thing because you'd be surprised at just how often the two intersect. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the newest, coolest thing with me. So you're going to get very intimate with the GOES satellites and uh, and the Landsat they satellites are, and all those kind of yeah, things, Yeah, right? they are already like the rock stars of Fox Weather. We <laughs> love those satellites. That's awesome. Cool. Brendan, what about you? Oh, nothing's changed, Jake. Same old, same old. I think the beard got a little bit longer. That's about it. <laughs> now, I keep I keep doing the same thing uh, at, at WMFE um, and... Uh, Last year did uh, did a little more reporting for NPR, which was really cool. So um, we're kind of, you know, going all in with with human spaceflight for here from Florida. And, um, you know, I've been really having a fun time covering those launches, meeting the crew um, and telling their stories. So, uh, yeah. Other than that, same old, same old. I'm I'm not going to any new news organizations yet. (laughs) Unless unless, Emily, you've got a room for someone that can like like the green screen and the weather maps. Like if you need someone to do that, I think I can do that. Well, I don't even know how to do that. So yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's a, it was a big year for human spaceflight, Brendan. So you must've been very, very busy because you have all these new crews launching uh, from Florida again. Uh, Inspiration four was a big thing. And now we're going to talk about Artemis today. So like you must be uh, feeling the heat a little, Hey, (laughs) I'm, I'm glad that it's, it's every six months at this point now. So, (laughs) but uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's been cool. And I, I think it, this is something that Emily and, and I talked about, um, 
you know, quite a bit is, you know, we don't like to say that, you know, it's, it's routine now, but now we have scheduled human space flights from Florida, which is really cool. And, um, you know, I think, you know, from a, a work perspective, you know, we, we kind of have a template now and, and, you know, how to cover it and what to expect. And, um, I was talking to Emily, um, for my podcast and, you know, it was like, we had to kind of relearn everything, right. You had to learn about a new system and, and, you know, new timelines and, and even splashdowns. Like we have never seen a splashdown off the coast of Florida in our lifetime. So, um, you know, the, the kind of the human missions covering them have been really fun because they're a challenge, but they're also like super exciting. Right? I mean, these are people, people are leaving the planet and we get to see them leave the planet from just a few miles away. So, uh, yeah, the covering the human space flight has been so much fun. And I really do enjoy that aspect of this job a lot. <laughs> well, it shows that the investments that you've made in your podcast, uh, I know, cause I remember five years ago, it was not the same story. Six years ago, it was not the same story as no. to whether that was going to be relevant or not. So that's yeah. good, good thinking on your part, right? <laughs> <laughs> I took a gamble. I took a gamble. <laughs> Well, just like Bitcoin, it paid off for you. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so let's let's talk about Artemis. So this this to me is like the nice crossover between uh, what you guys are really exposed to down there in Florida, and also what I like to cover. So um, uh, it's uh, brand new news today as I'm recording this that uh, I am sort of trying to expand my coverage here at We Martians, talking more than just Mars really leaning into this whole exploration thing. And I think that um, that just gives me double the reason to cover Artemis because it is just uh, it's just awesome in terms of what it's going to push out there. Um, so I, I think maybe I want to start is looking back at 2021 because I think that this was a pretty, I think it was a pretty important year for like the, the grand timeline of Artemis because, you know, if you think back a year ago, uh, everyone's question was like, is Biden going to cancel S uh, Artemis and SLS and all that kind of stuff? Like, what's going to happen to this thing? Because these things never seem to survive regime changes, right? And we're always trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and it did pretty well, I think, overall. So maybe I'll just kind of throw that question out there. Uh, do you agree? Did it do really well? Um, what was surprising you in terms of its uh, the program's ability to to weather changes? And, um, you know, what, what sort of big stories were you watching last year for Artemis? Yeah, I mean, it, it survived. And, and I think you, you do bring up a good point that that was something that we were kind of watching. I, th I think I think we knew it would survive when um, Bill Nelson was named the NASA administrator. <laughs> so, um, But I, I think the, the, the really interesting thing to, to, to see about Artemis is not only did it survive the administration change, but um, Artemis and NASA in general seemed to survive COVID. Um, you know, we didn't see any cuts in funding. Um, projects generally stayed on track. Um, and, uh, I, I think that was a real big win for, uh, for NASA and then also, you know, zeroing down on Artemis. Um, and I think that there's, there's sort of two perspectives on this too, I mean, not perspective, but two angles to look at this is that, uh, you have sort of the political, you know, weathering it has to do, will the new president and the new administrator and the new Congress like embrace this? Will they keep it the same? Will they change it? But I think there was also sort of a, a um, a corporate view on it, I guess. I'm, I'm talking mostly about the HLS contract. So, you know, as everybody knows, um, NASA awarded SpaceX this big human lander contract. It was challenged on many fronts by the uh, uh, the opposing forces of this uh, contract, mostly uh, Blue Origin, um, and it survived all of that. And so now at the end of this year, not only is the program sound in, in terms of its stability, but we also have this brand new um, fixed price style contract for the human lander uh, that seems to be 
now off to the races. Um, I think that's a pretty interesting part of it. I don't know if what sort of angles you've seen on those those stories. Yeah, the corporate dynamic with the Artemis contracts was really interesting. Um, gosh, you know, and you're talking back to the beginning of last year when basically NASA awarded this human lander contract to SpaceX and Blue Origin, Dianetics, and Blue Origin's partners essentially sued NASA and it tied up that contract for I think about seven months and it was just resolved at the end of last year um, or at least the last quarter so yeah that was interesting to see that and but going forward you know Blue Origin still is going to have some Artemis contracts Um, there are some other companies that are emerging you know we're going to get to see it's not so much Artemis but at least the the robotic missions we've got the the CLIPS program got three uh, American commercial moon landers hopefully happening this year. Um, so commercial is, is where it's at when it comes to Artemis and NASA is leaning very heavily on, on all of these companies. Mm-hmm. And I think NASA and, and its leaders have kind of used commercial cargo and commercial crew as kind of a way to say this is, this is the future of, of exploration, right? I mean, just the, the success from SpaceX and the commercial crew program um, Kind of goes to show that th- this is this is the model moving forward, and and here's why it works. It works for cargo, it works for people. Um, let's do it for this human landing system. So these these fixed price service based contracts, um, you know, there there was a lot of groundwork to to lead up to it, and uh, it was good to see that it, it survived um, the administration change and it survived the litany of litigation. Uh, <laughs> so um, you know, very happy to see it moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was really surprised too. Honestly, I actually had when when they first started talking about HLS as like a fixed price style contract, I was I was pretty skeptical, and I still kind of am. Like, I'm that we you know mm-hmm. we should we should not assume that just the awarding of the contract is the end of the story. Like, there's lots of chance for this to not go. No, we're well. done. We're done writing about it, Jake. It's done. <laughs> um, it's over. <laughs> but uh, I, I think there was a really interesting sort of gamble played because if you remember, like one of the this we, this isn't talked about a lot, but the contract was awarded between administrators, right? So it was after Jim Bridenstine had left, but before Nelson had been confirmed, and so there was not really a lot of um, uh, firm direction at the helm of the ship at that point, right? It was sort of this limbo state, and Kathy Leaders went in and, and dropped the contract. So I found that really interesting because it's like it was like this narrow window where you didn't have a lot of executive oversight to it and you can squeeze it through and then it it didn't go away once the administration was in place and so that was kind of an interesting i don't know i, I still think about that sometimes as, as are we going to look back at that point as as something that was like a a, a roll of the dice that that nasa made and uh, got away with <laughs> that's such an interesting point like i wouldn't i you know i didn't even really think about that but you're right you know it did happen between an administration but that's something that nasa and you know its workers are used to this changeover happens and things have to continue moving along. Um, you know, I don't think there was ever any question that SpaceX, if they were going to just hand one contract out, I, I feel like it was pretty solid that SpaceX was going to end up with with one of these contracts. I think Blue Origin's issue and, and their competitor's issue was that they thought they needed more than one. Um, and, and there will be down the line, but just not now with not with this funding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can we say the contract autonomously docked with NASA? I mean, that's just, it seemed like that's what happened, right? It just, it, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great point, Jake. Like I'm, I, I'm and, and like Emily said, you know, it, it really is pretty fascinating, but I also think it's a testament to, you know, that groundwork that was laid by 
commercial cargo, commercial crew, and a, specifically Kathy Leaders. I mean that yeah. that is what she has wanted going forward this way. So yeah, yeah. the fact that you know she was she was still in that position really helped get the contract moving forward. So yeah, and I'm probably over dramatizing it. Like I don't think NASA no, it's just great. like like, like you know just like quick. There's Lights no administrator. Off. Spend three billion dollars. Like I don't think that's what happened, but <laughs> um, it is a sort of an interesting sort of timing, I think. And I I really we're gonna have to wait for like you know 10, 20 years when Kathy writes a book and tells us the real uh, the real story behind yeah. the oh, whole commercial uh, uh, decade at NASA. But um, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. One. I'm going to keep an eye out for that. one. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I mean, we're on the topic of uh, Starship. And I think this is uh, I think this is probably the biggest. Well, sorry, there's there's two big development milestones that we're going to watch, I think, for Artemis. One one being the actual SLS launch and then one being Starship. But we're, we're talking about Starship first here. So uh, 2021 was pretty big year for its development. We had uh, some some hopper flights or I don't even want to call them suborbital, not even quite suborbital, but high flights of the uh, Starship prototype, which was uh, pretty crazy. A few of them blew up. A few of them didn't. One of them didn't. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, when they got the contract, um, and now they're stuck in this whole regulatory thing with the, with the FAA. So, uh, I don't know. So maybe I'll just open up. What's, what's been exciting for you covering Starship this year? The explosions. Uh, <laughs> that's it, right? <laughs> no, no, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, the explosions were very exciting and, and I, in my mind, they got it one and a half times cause that mm-hmm, yeah. I think it was the third time they landed it and it was fine for a few seconds and then it blew up. So in my mind it was, it was almost there. Um, no, <laughs> doing that and then explaining to people that it's okay that they blew up. I mean, I don't know how many times I had to say, it's all right, this is a test. There's no one on board. Um, that was just, that was wild. Um, so I'm looking forward to hopefully some more landings next year and people can be more invested and in, and see that hopefully this succeeds without so many explosions. Yeah, we talked about that on uh, Off Nominal about the, 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 I think it was SN10 was the one. It was like the big psycho, right? It was like, I landed, everyone was very happy and everyone turned the feet off and then blew up 10 minutes later. So it, <laughs> it ignited a, a very uh, a furious debate about whether it was a successful landing or not. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'll always remember that one for sure. <laughs> I've, I've always had a hard time with Starship because, you know, working for a local news organization, like we always have to find the local angle first. Like mm-hmm. first and foremost, I, I report for WMFE and then, um, you know, I have the podcast and, and do some national reporting. So it's like, I can't really report on this because it's not happening in our backyard. And, you know, it's happening out in Texas. I can watch it, you know, talk about it in the big context of things. But like that second that the, the contract came down and NASA's like, yep, it, this is going to be our, our human landing system. I'm like, I could go to my editor and say, now I can cover Starship. This is going to, you're, if you're having me cover the Artemis missions, I get to cover Starship now. So, um, so it's been, it's been really cool like it legitimized you know this yeah. you know this steampunk nightmare that's happening in west texas <laughs> um and and we can actually cover it now so um it's it's been really fun to see and and to watch and i mean what's not to like about watching these street like you're watching the development happen in real time it's it's just absolutely fascinating to see it yeah yeah so you must be really excited too then because they've recently restarted um work on uh the lc 39a pad where the uh um where they currently launch commercial crew spacex says but they're going to work on a starship pad there as well so that's uh that's in your backyard <laughs> oh yeah so I, I, I after that news dropped i was very excited because not only 
do we get to report on this now? There's a very good chance I'll get to see one of these things launch, you know, from just a just a few miles away, which is absolutely cool for me. So, um, yeah, it, 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 that was some good news. Um, I wanted to to circle back on what you said too, Brendan, about sort of legitimizing Starship because I think this is a really also important art outcome of this year um, with the the settlement of all the lawsuits and everything. Starship is now like an official NASA product. And we're seeing uh, astronauts tour down at Boca Chica, you know, going to see the vehicle and all that kind of thing. And I think that's going to do a really um, it's going to have a really big effect on the the national discourse for this, you know, especially like in Congress, because until this point, uh, it is still in Congress, at least was always kind of seen as this experimental vehicle that we're keeping an eye on, but is not really important to us yet. Right. Um, but I think they can't really do that anymore because now it's now it's a, a product of the United States government. And they now you can stand in front of it and say, this is my proud thing that made in my state or my district or whatever. Right. <laughs> um, so I, I figured like once they stick a worm on one of those things, like the NASA worm, it's like game <laughs> over for for any any naysayers in the, in the government. <laughs> Absolutely. And like, I mean, for any of your listeners, that was never the case. Right. This this was always something that was incredible and was going to fly and was going to do some really cool things. But, but you're right. I think it does change the national discourse on it. Not, not just in public policy, but in public opinion as well, that this is, this is a NASA project now. Um, And it is going to be so exciting. Like this is the Artemis program is taking humans back to the moon for the first time in what, more than 50 years. And SpaceX's starship is going to be the vehicle that does it. Like that is a, huge responsibility and and just a a huge step for this company that has done so much in in the short time that it's been around so i you know it's always been legitimate you know quote unquote but this to your point this does legitimize it even further slap a slap a worm logo on that thing and (laughs) and let's do it let's go to the moon yeah yeah uh, so 2022, um, we should see an orbital flight of their, their first uh, prototypes. So we should see this big super heavy booster come rolling. So once they resolve their, their FAA stuff and um, get through, I know they're having some challenges. looks like they're having challenges with the engines and also the, the ground equipment in Boca, but they'll figure it out, their SpaceX. Um, so uh, hopefully this year we see a flight. Uh, that's that's going to be obviously a pretty exciting moment. I know that's not that's a, not a Florida thing, but uh, is there any any? Oh, I'll still be still watching. Be going? It, yeah, though. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, and I'll still make the case for them to send me out for that. So <laughs> yeah, we have we have not been yet. So we it's time it's time time to go to yeah. Texas. <laughs> it's going to be a, the, uh, a, a scheduling and logistic nightmare to try and uh, time a trip to that though i'm not looking forward to that oh, yeah. <laughs> i really i'm not envious of the residents of boca chica who are probably like these space nerds are just invading our town <laughs> you know they just i mean i know they're getting offered left and right to to sell their land and stuff but yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know there must be the the SpaceX tourism is like now a whole cottage industry. I'm sure, right? So oh, oh for sure. Uh, yeah, very interesting to see how they. I like I, part of the reason I kind of want to go. We're getting off track here, but I, I kind of want to go just to like hang out with like people who like work at like Seven Eleven and and restaurants and stuff, and to be like, what do you think of all this? Like, what's in your head with this? Yeah, right? right. You know, hang on Brownsville and just talk with locals and see what's yeah. going on. Well, they did, you know, and I. I wanted to look into this, but the I think the FAA, the last uh, update we got on the delay with the environmental review, they had like 18,000 comments. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm interested to see 
which way those comments go, you know, because it hasn't all been been mm -hmm. positive there. Um, you know, some of the residents who wanted to live in this quiet beach town are like, wait, you're gonna be launching rockets and doing engine tests. And you know, it's not not so peaceful anymore. Yeah. But SpaceX has a lot of fans. I mean, there there was a coordinated effort to have, you know, folks that are you know, passionate or, or, you know, believe in what SpaceX is doing to write to the FAA in support of this. So, you know, there's, yeah, Elon there, literally there tweeted a, it. Yeah. A, yeah. Yeah. There was, <laughs> there was an, there was a, 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 an effort to get those comments in there. So, um, yeah, it'll, it's, it'll be very interesting to see this kind of, you know, push and pull of, you know, these folks that have been there forever that, that, you know, don't want these massive disturbances and, and also, you know, that this is the future. This is, this is the future of space exploration. So, that juxtaposition is pretty is a fascinating story. I know, I know there's been a few, uh, you know, people that have written about it. I think Marina Corin did a, from the Atlantic did a great piece on on profiling the folks that live down there. But yeah, I, I'm I, it, it'll be interesting to see what the environmental assessment comes out with because of all these comments that, mm -hmm. that Emily mentioned. Yeah. The ultimate irony of of too many comments uh, delaying the whole thing is uh, is definitely right. Be. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe don't tweet it next time, Elon. I'm cur I'm curious if if they like weight the comments. Does someone who doesn't live there or, you know, like, does that weigh as much as someone who lives down the road from it? I don't, I, I'm, you know, this is, could be totally fake news and maybe they don't consider that at all, but I, I do yeah. wonder. It's an interesting question, right? Yeah. I think there's probably, uh, I, I'll spitball too. We'll just, we'll make all the fake news that we want here. <laughs> um, but I mean, it, it's a federal uh, approval rating. So I imagine it's not weighted. If you're an American, then you get an opinion, right? Yeah. But there's probably another level of bureaucracy. Like they probably also have to get, you know, I don't know, state approval and county approval or whatever to, to do it. And that's going to have local weighting. But I imagine that's the easy part because they're all just, yeah. just, please bring the jobs, right? So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please. And Emily, for someone who used to work in local news and who has probably covered public comments before, it can get messy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and can... this, the past two years in particular, I mean, just go to a school board meeting and you will have your yeah. eyes blown out of your head. <laughs> your eyes and your ears. Uh, public comment is something that is just, it is, I don't know, is it just the American way? Other countries do this too, but I don't know if any country- We have it in Canada too. Yeah, it's the same. Is it, is it just as crazy? It can be, yeah, yeah, it it's can. It's like a Parks and Rec episode, you know? Every yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, the other big component to Artemis, uh, SLS and the Orion capsule and the Artemis One flight, which uh, is- it, just slowly dragging itself to the finish line here. Um, so uh, it was stacked at the end of last year. Uh, very exciting to see the whole thing kind of put together in the VAB. We haven't seen a big rocket in there since, uh, you know, a rocket that big, at least since, since uh, Saturn day. So that's a, that's a long time. Um, we've got some engine trouble, though. This is the, the real big drag on the schedule right now. So engine four has got this controller that went uh, haywire. Um, also, I noted the same engine that caused the problem with the green run. So just put your, you can put your conspiracy theory hat on there and, and if you want. Um, so what are you guys hearing on the ground there? Um, how, I know they're replacing the controller. How, what are you hearing about the schedule? What are you hearing about the, the, the problems with this engine? What's, what's the, what's the local beat? Well, I know we were supposed to get a tour of it recently and, um, we haven't. So, you know, I was told we were going to get, get a chance to get in the VAB and see it by the end of the year. Um, and that has not happened. And that would, that was going to be before the, um, the wet dress rehearsal where they actually bring it out to the pad, um, do all their stuff. So, I mean, that, that doesn't bode well for the schedule. Um, other than that, I mean, I'm, you know, 
we're seeing what March is what the administrator said. Um, that seems like quite a bit that they have to do to, you know, replace that, you know, controller, do run diagnostics, bring it out to the pad, hook it up to all the umbilicals, fuel it up, do the test, bring it back in. Like that's a lot to do in three months. Um, so purely speculation there. I, I don't know if, <laughs> if they're going to make it to that. Um, I don't know if you're hearing anything. No, not really. I, I agree with, with your assessment on that. It, it doesn't bode well. It, that is a lot to get through. And yeah, we're probably going to see more delays because, you know, at the end of the day, this launch is so far delayed anyways that they just want to make sure that everything is right. And and we've heard that repeatedly, you know, from from NASA managers and officials just saying, you know, we're going to take our time with this. We're not rushing anything. So if, if there's one thing that, that can be righted to make everything go well, then then they'll make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the thing that, that worries me about the schedule is that, you know, um, so there was this piece by uh, NASA Spaceflight about the launch constraints. So all the different things that like play into the schedule of when it can or can't fly. And it has a ton of restrictions and because they're like there are restrictions like oh you have to do this within four days of doing that right there's like you know things like that that line up and when you add all these things together it's like they get a couple chances and then if it doesn't work out the whole thing recycles and they got to go back to like a a month later or something like that they've got issues with the flight termination thing um, windows with the moon Uh, they have uh, a tanking detanking time window and then um a certain amount that you can do before you have to recertify everything. So like they have these like giant, like two week windows, it sounds like where they can launch, but within that two week window, there's basically three attempts they can do. And if they don't make it, they have to roll all the way back to the VAB and do a whole thing all over again. And so I, what I'm kind of worried about is that these little problems will pop up and then, you know, NASA's pretty conservative with this rocket. They have to be, they've only got one uh, and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll miss a couple of these windows. And so little things are going to push it back one, two, three, four months. Right. So yeah. that's kind of what I'm watching. And we, you know, we just saw that this, this, this engine controller, there was a blog by uh, Wayne Hale, who was talking about good old shuttle days, like he usually does. Uh, and they, they had a similar problem and they were able to swap it on the pad in like eight days. And like SLS can't do that. They are, it's a whole different program now. It's, yeah. you know, it's two to six weeks they're saying for this thing. So I don't know. I, I, so when it comes to schedule, like all bets are off for me. They're, they're saying March, April. Now I have, I have no idea. I have straight up have no idea when it's going to fly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I'd say first, first half of 2022 is probably a good general timeline, but you're right. The constraints, mm-hmm. you know, and I know we talked about this, what, maybe one or two years ago, we decided, oh, is SLS ever even going to happen? <laughs> it's just, they just scratch it. And it's like, by the time it launches, you know, by the time we get to a crewed flight, you know, I keep thinking about how far along Starship will be, or if something else comes along, you know, what, what is going to replace SLS? That's, I'm, that's what I'm looking to. And it hasn't even, it hasn't even launched yet. <laughs> so. Yeah. We were talking about this um, with, with Emery Kelly. Um, and like the three of us are super interested in seeing how many people yeah. even show up for this. You know, this has been talked about for so long is is this going to draw the same crowd that you know dm2 drew with you know bob and doug on commercial crew is it going to draw the same crowds that the space shuttles used to bring out to florida space coast and it, it's really kind of hard to get a read on that this far out um but that's definitely something we'll be watching will more people go down to boca chica for the first orbital test of starship than than sls it'll be interesting to see where the public interest is 
in in SLS when it does finally roll out to the pad and, and the clock yeah. hits zero. Your, your average person, you know, I'm sure you guys probably have this happen to you all the time where, you know, you meet a stranger or you meet someone new and they find out what you do and they're like, oh, what's going on in space? Are they still launching the space shuttle? I mean, you know, it's it just happens all the time. People just don't, <laughs> unless it's something that you're really interested in and you follow, a, a lot of people don't really know SLS is a thing. They're, you know, they're still thinking shuttle programs. So as far as general interest goes, I think that's that's something that NASA has tried to really drum up is, you know, getting people interested at Artemis through a lot of marketing and, and PR and whatnot. But if that pans out is, you know, it remains to be seen. And then on top of that now, you know, we go from shuttle and then with commercial crew, we've had so many different streaming options. You know, you don't have to be here to watch the launch. I recommend it fully because watching a launch in person is the best thing you can possibly do. But now you can be anywhere in the world and you can watch, you know, professional grade live streams and with commentary and experts. And so I'm interested to see how that kind of factors into the to the in-person excitement for the launch. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm planning on going because uh, I need to see these SRBs light. I never got to see a shuttle, so uh, I need to. I need to feel that in my chest. And I think I owe you a few beers. Yeah, anyways, I think we've James, been racking so them up over the years, and it's out. it's all in my favor. So uh, <laughs> I need to cash in on some of those. Um, uh, astronauts, we got a new class. So this was a kind of an exciting news that happened uh, just a few weeks ago. A whole new batch of astronauts. Presumably, the 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 batch that will will be all in on you know lunar gateway and 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 Artemis uh, landings and all that kind of thing. Um, I know you've done a few bits of coverage with new astronauts and stuff, but what's um I don't really have a question here, I guess, but like you know what's exciting about talking to these astronauts? Are you hearing some some fun stuff about the, what they're excited about? Is it different with with Artemis in the in the future here? Like this isn't just another ISS crew rotation, right? So like what's what's that feel mm. like? Can I, can I tell you something depressing that I've learned Uh-oh. talking to these yeah. new astronauts? <laughs> I, I interviewed Luke Delaney, who um, he he was a Langley pilot, uh, was also in the military, and uh, he grew up in Florida. So he grew up uh, right outside of Orlando, but was born down in South Florida where I was born. And I was like, you know, how did you get interested in this stuff? And he's like, yeah, you know, I watched shuttle launches and, and, uh, and I launched model rockets. And I was like, that's what I did. And then I looked looked that up and and he's like the same age as me and (laughs) and so it's like man this is this is i wanted to grow up and be an astronaut and like this is the class of people that grew up with me wanting to be an astronaut actually becoming an astronaut so i've come to the realization it's never going to happen (laughs) with me so that's that's what i've learned talking here this guy went and made his dreams come true and you went into public radio hey (laughs) yeah right (laughs) two different paths yeah that's that is that is i also had that same realization but i was kind of like oh because i think he got his undergrad from where i went to university at university of north florida in jacksonville and i was like all right go ospreys swoop like we've got an astronaut and you know he's (laughs) he's from about 40 minutes from uh, Cape Canaveral Kennedy Space Center. So I was kind of excited about that. But yeah, then when you look at their resumes, but, um, you know, kind of on the interesting side, when you're talking about what's changed, we had a couple interesting picks. Um, I think it was interesting. They picked, um, she was, she worked on, uh, what is it? An oil rig engineer. Hmm. She's like, yeah, the drilling engineer. engineer. I think that was pretty interesting because we're seeing, you know, with mining efforts that might happen on the moon, you know, maybe that's something that NASA is more interested in now. 
We also had uh, SpaceX's uh, chief medical officer. He was selected as an astronaut, so that was kind of cool. Um, you know, he was formerly with NASA beforehand, but I don't know. All of their resumes are just outstanding, and I always think it's funny that they'll NASA will say, "Oh, well, anyone can apply," and you know, we want diverse <laughs> backgrounds and stuff. But you still need to be able to fly upside down and learn Russian and and all that jazz. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm on the same boat as Brendan. We're not going anytime soon, at least. <laughs> yeah. So I actually have not through a federal program. <laughs> I actually have like the opposite uh, take on on those resumes because I was actually a little disappointed in it. Um, oh wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and this is not not like there's there's no one astronaut in that class that I don't think is qualified to fly. Like it's 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 a more of a criticism of like the overall program thing because if you look at like the ten or eleven, I can't remember how many there are, but the dozen or so. Uh, people in this class there was like 80 percent of them had multiple engineering degrees and 70 percent of them were fighter pilots and this is like okay like from a a resume diversity perspective that's why like there there isn't much diversity that's why all the coverage was like there's a drilling engineer and a spacex guy and i was like the all, everything talked about those two people because they were mm -hmm. different and everyone else was exactly the same <laughs> so what so, do you what do you think they were missing you know do we need what do we need and well that's the question right i gotta i gotta back up my criticism with yeah. some solutions right yeah well and, and, and i i think it was intentional though i mean wasn't this the first class that they required a stem degree i think this was the first applicant pool where they required a stem degree uh i um, think they changed something on it but i i, I don't yeah, think it was a dramatic change or some sort of experience. no because it's still okay. kind of like if you look at the last few classes of astronauts and not, it's not really um i don't think anything's really changed there but that's a good yeah. point jake about you know we tell people that you know you can be an astronaut even if you're not a a, a test pilot but mm -hmm. It still really yeah. helps, and, and, I, and I understand like maybe NASA's not ready for it, and and there's a whole bunch of uh, there's a bunch of listeners now who are you know in the in the Blue Origin or Virgin Galactic space saying like we're here, we're here, we're ready to do what you're thinking of, but um, you know I just, I don't I think I there's a middle ground for NASA to start exploring some new spaces. Like I don't know if it's some different branches of science, like or we should be doing more. Um, uh, I don't know, is chemists or biologists or, or physicists or um, uh, maybe there needs to be more communicators up there. Like communication of what's going on there is a super important part of what NASA does. I know they probably get some flack from a budget perspective. They sent up like a YouTuber or something. But, um, you know, there's d different people who could provide a lot of value to the public by going up to space for NASA and that aren't just fighter pilots. Right. So. So I, I think I just need to be more patient and I can, you know, have fun watching uh, uh, normies in quotation fly on, on the Blue Origin flights and stuff like that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that was my my uh, my depressing take on the new astronauts. Yeah. <laughs> One thing, I don't know, I just, I was watching, I know, I feel like we talk about this every year, our favorite kind of like sci-fi shows and movies and stuff. And I was watching one on Apple TV, I think it's called The Invasion, and they had this whole specialty thing on linguistics and how, you know, they needed people to be able to learn this alien language. And so I think linguistics is something that I could I could see being an interesting resume addition in, in the years to come, you know, once mm -hmm. ET comes home. Yeah, yeah. Well, my degree is in political science. So NASA, if you're listening, if you think there might be a constitutional crisis on the moon, <laughs> um, you might want to pick someone like me. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a question to uh, related to crew. Um, 
I want to kind of get your take, maybe a prediction here. We'll see. Um, but is this the year that we get like an Artemis two crew announcement? That's kind of my big question going into this because, uh, you know, it takes a year or two to prep for a mission and Artemis two is currently scheduled for about two years from now, give or take a couple months, right? That's the schedule at least. So NASA must be at the point where they've got a short list and, or maybe even they have a crew at this point. When are we going to see that announcement? Is it, you know, ahead of the Artemis 1 launch? Are you going to be able to see the crew of Artemis 2 watch Artemis 1 lift off? Uh, or is it going to be, are they going to wait for the success or failure of that mission before they make a decision? I'm, I'm curious to know what you guys think. That's a really good question. And I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think the optics of having that crew selected before Artemis 1 would be huge for, for NASA. It would, be, it would be a really good thing. To have that crew that like imagine that photo op of you know this crew you know standing yeah, there in their flight and, suits and, watching you know, the rocket go up right in their flight suits watching it take off and um but i don't know i i, I really don't know when that will happen that it, it in itself will be a huge event and i think that artemis one might take a, a lot of the you know the wind out of that sail so that's a good question. I don't know. I thought I, when I when I saw what you wanted to talk about, I thought you were going to ask who we thought was going. That's I mean, the next question. That's the next question. question. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do, do we know <laughs> no who's going? Idea. Yeah. Well, we, so we do know the you know we know who the Artemis class of astronauts are, right? We've got this. I think it's 18, 18 astronauts. Um, yeah. And then we'll really yeah, narrows it down. Yeah. yeah. So um, we've got that, but then you know. I guess if you really want to get technical about it, you know, NASA says that they want to launch a woman and the first person of color. So you've narrowed your list a little bit there. <laughs> so I think we'll have, you know, a woman and probably two, uh, two men, <laughs> you know, and then, but on top of that, I think the astronauts are already trained. They're already training with Orion and things like that. So this particular class, yeah. so anyone who gets selected is going to be ready, but if I were going to pick a, an astronaut that I want to see go, if I can just say that, I would love to yeah, see yeah. Nicole Manns go. I just, when I hear her speak about Artemis or flying in space, I, I think she's the person I would trust for a, for a moon landing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you have to remember, she, she was, she was moved from, from Boeing yeah. Starliner to SpaceX to get her some, some flight mm -hmm. experience ahead of Artemis. So that's, that's yeah, 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 yeah. And Artemis Two is going to have a Canadian on it as well. That was announced, right? That one of the spots for Artemis Two is Canadian. Yeah. Jake, is it you? I didn't know. It's it was not you. me. That it's not me. Or if it is, they haven't me? called me no. yet. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. My 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 cell phone doesn't work great down here, but um, we'll see if they're, oh, they're trying okay. to call me. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, so I, I personally, I'm I'm on record already with some of our fans, but I kind of think that uh, Jeremy Hansen is the one that they're going to go with for that. Um, I feel like he's been waiting a long time. I, I don't know what, how much you know about the Canadian astronauts, but he's he's been a professional astronaut for many many years, and he's not flown once. So I feel like he's he's due, and uh, we're mm -hmm. going to see see if that would be come to fruition. But that's my prediction. Do we think it will be astronauts <laughs> that have flown before, or will it be astronauts this could be their first flight? I would think they would want some experience, but. Well, at least at least one or two yeah. you'd want experience, but you'd also maybe want to have a couple rookies on there as well, right? And I don't think that they're going to let the Canadian fly the thing, so um, I don't think it's a, a big uh, a big deal if if he or she is the rookie, right? <laughs> I'd I'd like to see Kayla Barron picked for uh, for one of those. So she's she's been okay. I've been following her career, and she's yeah. she's real really. She's awesome, been so, so fun to follow in space. There's, there's a good too. Well, she's she's been on the ISS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Cool. There's a great core of astronauts yeah. they could pick. We like from, them so. all. Let's send yeah. them all. Yeah, there's definitely some Eventually. definitely some good peeps. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, this has been an awesome conversation. Maybe we'll end it with just uh, any fun plans for coverage that either of you have. Like, what are what are just some things you just can't wait to sink your teeth in and and write some stories about? Well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> you can stick it to Artemis yeah. too if you want. But I, if you got something else fun to share, um, I'd love to hear. I am it. really excited about Artemis. I I really can't wait to see this rocket launch. Um, I think that's going to be exciting. Personally, though, I am looking forward to more time at Kennedy Space Center. I'd love to have more in-person reporting opportunities. Those are still not happening as often, and it just is such a bummer to me. Um, we were kind of getting back to to that, and now we've kind of slipped back with this new variant. So just just personally, I'm just mm-hmm. hoping for a little bit a little bit more of normalcy when we're talking about spaceflight, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, 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 totally. Brandon, what about you? I'm really excited. This year, we're we're going to be focusing a lot on uh, climate change and the role that space technology has in in both monitoring and mitigating the effects of climate change. Um, so I'm super excited to kind of dig into that and start talking to some people about that. NASA's got you know a handful of of new missions coming online to kind of you know observe what's happening to our planet, and um, it'll be exciting to hear those stories and, and get to write those stories. So. And again, I'm also very excited to get back to doing this in person and seeing Emily and our friends from the Space Corps and and uh, even you, Jake. I, <laughs> I think that was the most fun was watching uh, covering a launch yeah, with you. Yeah, we'll, we'll so. get you. We'll get you back here. Yeah, we're all trying. Yeah, I would like to come for for the Artemis flight for the SLS uh, flight. Uh, We'll see how uh, Omicron or whatever variant is, is dogging us at that point, <laughs> Pi or whatever's next in the alphabet. But um, yeah, I would love to do that. Hopefully, I know for a lot of the the press events that NASA's been doing, they've been really strict about international uh, journalists. So we'll see. Like you have to have already, like you have to be in the states already. Like you can't travel there. They don't want you to travel to do this, right? So we'll see how they uh, approach it in the future. But I would love to come and uh, do that all over again. That'd be great. Um, but yeah, so that's it. That's, uh, that's a conversation. Thanks for hanging out with me guys. It's been really fun to catch up with you. Um, talk about fun space stuff and hopefully, hopefully we will be able to meet again in person this year. Maybe this is the year 2022, finally the year that redeems itself, right? We've had a bad stretch, I think recently. (laughs) Can't wait. Can't wait. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. All right. Bye guys. Thanks. That's it for this week, Martians. Huge thank you to Brendan and Emily for keeping the tradition alive. It's my favorite way to start the year. Next week, stay tuned for one of our first forays into the broader planetary world. It's a conversation that I think you'll enjoy very much. And as always, consider supporting us on Patreon with memberships as low as $3 per month that get you access to a whole other podcast, our Discord community, and more. I think it's a really good deal, and you can get there at wemartians.com support. Have a great week, and at Aries, Martians. We Martians is an independent, listener-funded podcast created by me, Jake Robbins, on planet Earth. You can reach us at info at wemartians.com or on Twitter at we underscore Martians. 